the standard operating procedures are all out of whack now. All right, so, Mike, welcome to East Meets West, the West Talks Amongst Itself edition. This is normally the time slot where we would do future chat, but Rob is away. Possibly, he hasn't elaborated much on his last couple absences, so I'm assuming it's either a personal thing or he's finally gone off the deep end and he has some sort of super villainous plot that he's working on. Which are not mutually exclusive, by the way, but for the purposes <laughs> of this discussion, we'll assume they are. You know what? That's true. I, I hadn't considered that, but you know, they, they aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. That's, that's correct. But I mean, I, I welcome every opportunity to sit down and talk politics and Canadian special interest stories. Contemporary Canadian. Yes, that's, that's what I was going for there. Excellent. It, it, so it's been first... so long since an episode that I forget the tagline of the show. So Yeah. It, does it have a tagline? Do we do that? At least know. a description anyway. But So, Mike, how long have you spent in the eastern part of the country, especially during winter? Uh, no longer than two weeks at a time. Maybe four times in my life. Okay. Have you done any shoveling while you were at East? Yes. I Well... Oh, I've, I've witnessed shoveling. I've not shoveled myself. <laughs> so I guess the answer to that is no. Okay. Cause I've wanted to, I've actually wanted to talk about snow differences for a while. This is a stark difference I've noticed between here and Eastern Canada. And I mean, I mean, Eastern Canada, like Ontario, Quebec, uh, Atlantic provinces. And when I say Western Canada, I mean like here in Alberta, because if you go to BC, what snow? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I gotta say, when I when I was first in Calgary, and I saw people with those giant mechanized brushes taking snow off the sidewalk, I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked that that would actually work. And then I I tried to you know play with some snow, and it is it's truly it's all just powder. Yeah. You, I hadn't realized it until you have a child that wants to build snowmen and you have to sadly explain to her that despite the fact there's mountains of snow around you there is nothing you can do with it that is remotely near being fun unless Sorry, unless you kid. unless you snowboard this isn't the right kind of snow <laughs> i mean like it's great for snowboarding and skiing and that kind of stuff but uh as far as tobogganing and tobogganing and snowman building it's not and fort building it's not really great for that yeah I, and I actually, like, after walking through big piles of snow here, and it just kind of, it's fluff. Incidentally, this is our first fluff piece of the story, or of the show. Um, I actually finally understood why snowboarders referred to it as fresh powder, bro. Because, like, back home, when there's snow down, you you would never refer to it as powder. It's always, well, if it's really cold, it might be a little more powdery. But if it's anywhere near freezing like uh you know up towards freezing it's so dense and so heavy like whereas here if you i mean if you sink a shovel into fresh snow it could it's kind of like really light sand it's just gonna flow away off of the shovel but you can like grab big hunks of it and like feel the shoddy wooden handle kind of bending around until you fling it onto something and I also got to say, I like how little snow happens here, mm-hmm. comparatively speaking. Um, 
having moved to Edmonton, I've noticed there's a significant difference between Edmonton snow and Calgary snow and that Edmonton seems to get a fair bit more. I mean, it doesn't hang around badly, but there is more. Yeah. You'd think that after it falls and has a chance to kind of settle and melt a little bit, that it would become more sticky, but it doesn't. It just kind of like ices up more, like it crystallizes a lot more. Oh, okay. But it doesn't become sticky. Like the, t- the top layer kind of like compacts and melts and refreezes, but everything underneath still stays like super powdery. Because that was oh. one of the things that we were trying to do is wait for it to kind of melt itself a little bit to do something with it. But it, at no point was it ever able to make anything remotely resembling a snowball. Mm. So, Have you built a Quincy with with your dear child? I don't know what that is. Oh, it's uh, like a snow shelter. It's like an like igloo, except with an igloo. Uh not well i mean it depends on your definition of fortress i would assume a fortress is open top but like if you have a big pile of snow you can just carve out a human size entrance and then just dig out the pile Mm -hmm. and that's a quincy we call that an igloo (laughs) sorry berta over here we call that a snow fort you and your fancy $10 words, Quincy. <laughs> okay, so no, because we've... When we were kids, we actually had like what I would consider snow forts down the street from me. Um, there was some plowing company that actually dumped excess snow in a specific spot. Mm. And a friend of mine that lived near there like kind of made a little ramp... Uh, like staircase kind of thing so that he could walk up onto the top of it and kind of dug down a little bit. So there was a slight increase in the wall on the outside that I would call a snow fort. Mm. Yeah. I, so, I'd like to see Quincy, you walk up Quincy's to a bunch of kids of be like, what are you doing? Young ones. We're building a snow fort actually because yours has a roof. That's a Quincy. Mama. You're calling it a snow there's fort. There's a weird man talking to us. <laughs> Now, children, gather round while I tell you how stupid you've been. <laughs> That'd be great. It'd be an excellent use of an afternoon. But, uh, yeah, so the snow here continues to baffle me, the snow situation. And I love it so much because I actually, it was snowing when we were visiting Kai's cousins. And I realized I was tromping down the snow on the walk. And so I went, I should really just clear the walk. And I was kind of bracing myself for it because back home, that can be a significant amount of work. And then I just grabbed the broom that was on the was on the porch and swept it away. Yeah. And where you, where you step, you just have to kind of like go over it two or three times, maybe, if it's been extra compacted. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, it was packed down, but it's also Calgary. Yeah. So I know that it's just going to sublimate away. It's so dry. Yeah. So... You guys have you guys being the east because we're we're talking from the perspective of you having lived in these before. So you've got us on. It's true, we are traffic on snow. What what do you? Oh, what do people you, compare about? Well, what do you not have us on? What what does the west have on the east that you know is like you call that whatever natural beauty <laughs> that actually it comes out sounding pretty dickish, but. <laughs> I 
I lived in the Great Lakes St. Lawrence Lowlands and particularly the St. Lawrence Lowlands. Um, I remember when my parents first took me to, or they took us to the East Coast and having gone all over and coming back and come back, I actually, I said to my parents, huh, we kind of live in the armpit of Canada, don't we? <laughs> and they, they disagreed with me because there are some very pretty things in that general area, but I, it's, I don't think it's near as yeah. nice. Well, every, every morning I drive out, like we live in the East. So driving out West to go downtown and, yeah. uh, coming on, coming down Cranston Avenue to exit on to Deerfoot, you're like facing the mountains directly. And it's like amazing. It's like, if the sky's clear, you get like a picturesque view of the mountains every morning. It's picturesque yeah. every day and it's so and beautiful like, and it's, it's not often that i'm like holy crap like i can see the mountains they're right there and it's i don't know yeah you you take it for granted I, being out here yeah having moved up to edmonton i will i will say it's i miss i miss seeing them yeah. um it's crazy how they disappear on you when you're driving north like you start yeah, out seeing them it's, and it's like wait where do the mountains go it's literally mountain view county i think is where it stops. Hmm. Well, stops if you're leaving, begins if you're coming. Yeah, so what was it? Snow? I mean, the snow is worse. I, I'm pretty pleased about being out west. Yeah. Because, like, I think I've told this story on podcasts before, but when I was first in London, the first snowstorm we had was, like, I think the total accumulation from Friday to Sunday was about 70 centimeters. <clears throat> and shortly before I came to Calgary, I mean, granted it was September, but the city got 30 centimeters accumulation of this like fluffy powder and it just, the whole city ground to a halt, <laughs> which I mean is fair because they're not used to dealing with that much snow all at once. But London, like London shut down on the Sunday, but by Monday morning they were ready to go again. Yeah. When we and were traffic, there... Yeah, traffic's bad out east too. We were in Windsor in Christmas of 2012. Okay. And or sorry, 2013. And that was the, the year that they got I want to say over 100 centimeters over 3 or 4 days, I think, at least. I would believe it. Um if not over a weekend, but we'll we'll say 3 or 4 days cuz I don't remember exactly, but I just remember like my uncle was out there shoveling every single day a couple times a day just because yeah. like it was crazy <laughs> oh man um and that said like i don't know if i've told you this story before but the first time i visited kaya's hometown of kirkland lake that was a, another kind of snow that i just wasn't used to it like down south you'll get like a lot of accumulation all at once but what happened there we got there at the beginning of March break and the first morning we were there it didn't snow then the afternoon it started snowing and we were there for like five to seven days it just never stopped snowing the entire time we were there <laughs> like it wasn't a lot at any given moment but it was just so persistent yeah and you always try to time your shoveling for like after it stopped it's like I'm not going to shovel now because it's going to keep snowing so I'll just wait till it's done but then it's still snowing and it's still snowing yeah. it's like huh Maybe I should get ahead yeah. of this. 
I remember being kids and like you're expecting a fair amount of snow and we're like, okay, well, snow's getting pretty deep. We should really go out and shovel the driveway now so that when we need to shovel the driveway again, it's going to be much easier to do. You're like, why do, why do people live here? <laughs> why do we do anything in the winter? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Snow differences. They exist. Yeah. Fascinating topics. Speaking of weather, we're not snowed anymore. We're actually quite in the midst of spring, which is nice. At least we are. Sounds nice. I guess you're not we anymore. <sighs> no. <laughs> Although, well, Edmonton has its charm, I've found. I suppose I could talk about Calgary versus Edmonton because I've now just moved. Mm-hmm. North meets south. No, we did that. That was when we were talking to Australia. (laughs) Mountains meets. Actually, I think I'm in the Mid-Canada Corridor now. Oh. So, that's good. Congratulations. Very, very on spot for the blog. Yeah. Or on point for the blog. Um, I've noticed people are generally friendlier here. Hmm. And I'm not sure why that is. Like, what the cultural influence is. I think it might just be blue collar influences. I also joke that um, like they have some cool stuff going on indoors. And my joke is that, well, it's so cold all winter. You gotta, you gotta get inside and socialize. Otherwise, what are you going to (laughs) do? They do have one of the largest indoor accumulations of facilities. At least it did at one point. I do the West Edmonton mall. I don't think it's that big anymore compared to other places. There are some bigger ones. It's still the biggest in North America, yeah. I think. Like, I think Cross Iron here even has more stores, but like West Ed is square footage-wise bigger because it's got the water park and the, yeah. the amusement park. I I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I was actually, the first time I visited, I was underwhelmed at the number of stores in West Ed. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge complex and there's a lot of stuff going on. I didn't actually realize there was a hotel in there. Yeah. Yeah. The Fantasyland. well of course nick are you even from here geez do you think that did you think that the west edmonton mall wouldn't have a hotel what what malls don't have hotels sometimes shopping takes a really long time (laughs) nick what are you gonna do go home and then come back the next morning no you just you can either pitch a tent or you be a civilized human being you go what is it like above the street that has a bunch of bars on it and go into the into the hotel Come on now. <laughs> I don't think they and consider you know, that part might, of the mall, though. Like, they don't count that as, you, like, square footage of the mall. You might need to unload the kids for a while. So, you you leave the kids in the theme park or the water park if it's a little warm out and they need to blow off some steam. Then you go do some shopping. Come on, Nick. Are you being sarcastic? Because that is actually what happens. I know. <laughs> that's what happens. <laughs> but, like... There's just so much space for malls here. It's true. Kind of, they kind of went, I would say a little overboard, but it's actually like the West Edmonton mall is growing on me. At first I was pretty unimpressed Mm -hmm. because I was just like, well, malls are for shopping and storefront. Why else is there a mall? But there are some neat things that are going on there. Last time we were there, it was, I wouldn't call it underwhelming, but it wasn't impressive. Like it's fairly dated, so it could use Mm. a bit of a, sprucing up i think but like in terms of walking around in the space i prefer chinook and core i think yeah 
Just because they're very well done and there's lots of natural light. I agree. Oh, what else? It's also much more difficult to be car light here. Hmm. I'm finding. Just public transportation wise? Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's that's the general thrust of things. I don't know. And it seems like people are just more car centric, which might explain why the ring road got done first and everyone's tremendously proud about it. Which ring road? Oh, there's an Edmonton ring road? Oh. The the Henday. Fun story about the Henday. Oh, yeah. I I drove that one. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually changed my language settings on my phone to UK English. Mm -hmm. Because I was tired of explaining to Googleina that honor and color needed use in them. <laughs> but the consequence of that, one, is that the keyboard has a pound symbol where dollars should be. And since Kai and I both started using UK English, we we started just, yeah, if, if we're talking about pounds, we're actually talking about dollars. It's fine. <laughs> it's like, you um, know what I mean? The other odd thing is that Google's pronunciations on navigation are uk english now Mm. and so i was actually talking to kaya one day and i said oh we can take the anthony henday she's like the i'm sorry what it's like the anthony henday she's like it's it's the anthony henday nicholas (laughs) and i thought about it and i've only actually heard it said on google navigation because everyone just calls it the henday (laughs) when i'm talking to them and so yeah, I just, in my head, it was always the Anthony Henday because that's how Google Google said it. Well, Anthony's a perfectly valid name as well. I think yeah. so. I just try and add some class. Mm. Also, I've been picking up some shifts at the base since getting here. And uh, it's funny because I'll explain to people, I'm sorry, I don't know where that is because I've only been working here a week. And they're like, but you seem competent. Why is that? I'm like, well, I worked at Calgary downtown before and a lot of people will kind of wince and go, I, I won't ask you how you think the cities compare. (laughs) They're just deadly afraid that I'm going to call it Edmonton. (laughs) So does Edmonton have a name for Calgary? No, because we're just that awesome. Calgary. I mean... It reminds me a lot of the Ottawa-Toronto rivalry because Toronto, it's, I mean, it's the biggest city on in Ontario. It's the biggest city in Canada. It's going to have some stuff going on that Ottawa does not, and that's just how it's going to be. But Ottawa gets, like, Otto, Ottawans? Ottawanites? Ottawanians. Anyway, people from Ottawa get all up in arms in a wicked inferiority complex. The best, I mean, my best memory of talking about it to people, like in real life in a bar, that someone was complaining about Toronto for like the umpteen millionth time while I'd been there. And I I stop and I go, well, you know, you're being awful cruel to Toronto people, but do you know what Toronto people say about Ottawa people? They're like, well, they probably hate us just as much as we hate them. And I go, No. They don't care about you because they don't think about you. (laughs) The honest truth, but like really speaks to the matter. Yeah. But that should be the reverse for us. I think Kilgarians worry more about 
Edmonton and how it sucks versus Edmonton worrying about Calgary. I would I would say so probably. Edmonton when you mention Calgary they seem to be like either cautious or a not necessarily undeserved but an an inflated sense of pride for the city. Well, yeah, that's I guess that's how it would be. Like Ottawa just doesn't have confidence enough in itself like Edmonton does. Like Edmonton le- legitimately has a bunch of festivals and cool stuff going on. Have you been to Klondike Days? Or is that this summer that you Klondike Days? Someone was trying to tell me about the Edmonton equivalent of Stampede. Yeah. And I mean, my knee-jerk reaction is there is no Edmonton equivalent to Stampede. There is no equivalent to Stampede. The Stampede is like a county fair, but on roids. Like, yeah, that's my best description. Yeah. Like a county fair, you can usually like do a lap in 20 minutes. Maybe escape the main drag in 20 minutes at the Stampede. Yeah. But no, I, I am excited to experience Klondike Days. But someone was trying to tell me about it and they couldn't remember the name. Oh, and this is someone from Edmonton? This is actually someone from Calgary who li- who's lived in Edmonton for a while. Okay. So I can forgive them from forgetting because yeah. if it was an Edmontonian, I'd be a bit more worried. Yeah. Yeah, no, Edmonton knows. Ed- Edmont- Edmontonians. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I should really have looked up a list of <laughs> what to call people from cities before sitting down, but... Clearly, all I did before sitting down was grab a bottle of Soylent and some coffee. I think it's uh, I think it's flexible. It's kind of like word endings, like plurals, that you can kind of mix and match. Well, as long as everyone knows what I'm talking exactly. about. Also, there are a lot of trees here. Hmm. Interesting. That is, after living in Calgary for a few years, oh, look around like, huh? There's a lot of trees and birds. I wonder if that's because there's less new development in Edmonton, or at least in the areas that you've frequented. Well, because usually more slash larger trees are a sign of longevity. Um, that's part of it. I mean, I'm right next to the River Valley, so that explains some of it. Um, but I actually talked with Kaya's cousin, who studied ge- geography, geology, before about this. Um. You can actually do some more interesting gardening things in Edmonton because A, the temperature swings less from the day and night cycle. And B, uh, the Chinooks in Calgary are actually really hard on trees because a lot of them, like they just, they're programmed to say, oh, it's warm out. I can start ditching all this extra sap I have and, you know, start getting ready for spring. But then if it gets cold again, they don't have the energy reserves and they just don't survive. So that's why you see so many cottonwoods mm-hmm. in Calgary because they're like poplars are one of the only deciduous trees that can handle that kind of thing. Interesting. Whereas like in old Strathcona where Kaya used to live, they had like some, what were they? There's sour cherry trees and there was a kiwi tree and they were looking at planting another like they're little dwarf kiwis they're about a centimeter or two maybe Mm. long but they're little teeny dwarf kiwis and i would not have thought that that would you know be able to live in such a climb but here we are i'm really really hoping that i get some better pepper results this year with a more consistent climate yeah i could go on about peppers but i i think i shan't yeah well as mentioning to you that we were wanting to do some vegetable potted plants this summer so we'll be experimenting with that 
if you have recommendations for which ones to try. Oh, um, I actually have a seed package right here. There's a good greenhouse in town that I was directed towards. I picked up a package of seeds that I've only ever seen at traveling fairs. They are called sugar daddy snap peas. Mm -hmm. They are climbing snap peas, which are just tremendous. They like, they have a really nice satisfying sweet crunch to them. And I mean, I'm sure it'll vary here, but when I was a kid, um, my mom grew climbing beans and I'm trying to think of how high the trellis was that she grew them on. Like it was, I want to say maybe eight feet high because it's about how high she could reach to grab them and just plant a bean about a foot, six inches apart or so. My God, there were so many beans (laughs) and it's, and because they're climbing, it's so space efficient because they're just, they're up high and they're not taking up like bush kind of area. It's, my God, if you can get a climbing bean, do that. Mm. Either that or hops and harvest the hops and I will brew with the hops. And then we can have some nice, nice locally sourced hops for nice locally sourced beer. Both those options sound great. Right? I mean, your child will certainly enjoy one of those things more than the other. Mm-hmm. But what do you do? You prioritize. <laughs> <laughs> Which way you prioritize, I'll leave as a question. The other thing I can tell you, one thing that grows really well in Calgary that I really, really like are Nanking cherries. Hmm. Are those on like a tree? Uh, they, they're kind of a bush and I'm not sure how much luck you would actually have in getting them ready now because I think they might need to be frozen before planting, but I can actually send you the coordinates of a few wild bushes that you could go and try and steal a little hmm. offshoot from. We used to go, I actually worked with a girl who was very good at knowing what plants were edible and which were not. And she's actually a super cool person. But when we were riding around with the kids for petal heads, we would stop and raid this one tree. Every so often the locals would come out and laugh and be like, oh yeah, I came out and got a couple quarts the other day. I'm going to make some great jam. Oh, they're great in jam. <laughs> They're a lot of fun. They're like about a centimeter long or so. They're just round, especially if they're ripe. You pop them in your mouth. They get, they have this bright, really vibrant burst of flavor. Mm. And then you get to spit the seed, right. which kids sure love that. <laughs> See, then but you're teaching actually, kids to just eat fruit off of plants. You're teaching them to eat fruit that you know is okay off of plants. And they'd be like, this looks like that same thing. <laughs> well they were also local kids so they knew where the bush was that was okay mm-hmm. we actually ate some flowers too once they were really interesting they had this kind of spicy aromatic flavor i imagine it would go great on a salad mm-hmm. not so much on itself by mm-hmm. itself but yeah speaking of growing <laughs> you know i think mike i might have room for four more plants <laughs> this summer well that's very coincidental because i I have i have a good use that you could have for those those four plants oh look it's my dog (laughs) segway 
What's that segue? <laughs> Sorry, go on. Well, I mean, this is this isn't new news, but it's I guess further news on the original news that was announced in April of last year about uh, the legalization and regulation of marijuana in this great country, Canada. That's right. Yeah. Reddit is very excited and jealous of us. Reddit is pretty enthused. Yeah. We're absolutely we're right. enhancing our progressive label here. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. Colorado You you could say that that uh the Liberal Party is ruling and that pretty soon there will be a Liberal Party ruling. <laughs> Colorado and, and Washington used to be the bells of the ball, but now the entire nation of Canada has kind of stolen the show on this yep. front. So, um, so just to kind of give my general take on this whole thing, I'm very much for the legalization and regulation of marijuana use. But I think the main market and interesting developments, and we'll see how it plays out, is the edibles market. Because I, th- mm. I think that's a lot more accessible and less either in reality or just perspective, uh, less health risky, we'll call it, than, than smoking. Yeah. At least that's, that's kind of my take on it. Obviously, we'll have to, to see what the research shows. Because my understanding is that long-term effects of marijuana use haven't really been fully flushed out yet on the research side. Everything I've read on it has said that it's no worse than alcohol, but... Yeah. I don't know. Um, I actually agree with you in that I, I, yeah, I don't think smoking it is great for you. So like, I don't know. I'm kind of hoping that because e-cigarettes as they're not good for you, but it's but, just vapor. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like I, they're still better than actual like burning smoke and tar being inhaled as far as I know. Yeah. yeah well, I was trying. I was going to try and make a tar joke based on your profession <laughs> as being an oil sands professional, but well, suddenly, suddenly, Mike has a problem with tar. You mean oil sands? <laughs> yeah. So, what about the tar sands? Well, actually, the oil sands. In fact, they've never been the tar sands except in in shorthand. And, Actually, tar um, tar science is a pejorative to induce induce a sense of negativity towards the production and exploitation of the oil sands. (laughs) Yeah, I'm fully on board with the... I think it's a good idea for Canada to legalize, regulate, and tax the sale of marijuana. And honestly, I mean, it, it might be trickier for a couple other places... But I know, like, Ontario has the LCBO, which you could easily just expand that to include mar- the sale of, med- or not medical marijuana, but marijuana. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, currently, in the current system, I mean, the we have not been successful in suppressing the sale of it right. from, a, from a law enforcement standpoint. Like, to the point where... I think it was about a decade ago. They kind of gave up, like they decriminalized it a bit and said, like, it's just we're not going to be able to stop this. And it's not an effective use of our resources because compared to heroin, crack, 
etc. Fentanyl, uh, it's not worth the resources to enforce. So instead of the money going into the hands of bad people, I'd much rather see it like go to the government and maybe fund some social programming. Yeah. And apparently, I it sounds like from the early studies of the exper- experiments, in quotes, in Washington and Colorado, it's gone quite well for the states. Like, they've managed to generate a lot of income based on it. Yeah. Because instead of the black market, suddenly... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, I've heard arguments about how they should make the... Like, so for those that don't know, it's going to be regulated under the same bodies essentially as alcohol and they're going to leave that up to the provinces so the canada will come up with the laws and the tax structure i guess and the provinces will be held Mm. to and i don't know about enforcing but at least doing the regulation side the same way they do with tobacco and alcohol Um, and that's supposed to come in by july 1st 2018 which a little til is actually when I want to say all laws come into effect. Like that's just kind of used as a date for laws to come into effect is July 1st. Oh, like that's apparently why Canada day is that day is because that was when laws come into effect or something. So I may as well do it in July. The country has more or less thawed by July. (laughs) So we can all get out there and embrace the new laws. (laughs) And, uh, so yeah, I guess the legal age, is most likely going to be 18 or at least whatever the alcohol, the, the age of that's alcohol uses in each province. I th- that's the federal, the federal mandate. Right. I think they've said is 18 right. so, or higher. Depending Part, on I where. mean, partially because I mean, if the federal government has to recognize your competence as a human being at the age of 18, I mean, it doesn't make much sense to say, no, 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 no. Like we'll let you vote. We'll let you decide who runs the country, but... Yeah. yeah. Like, there's fear that the edibles market will start infiltrating high schools too much. But, I mean, like, the way I see it, if, if a high school kid is going to use marijuana, they're going to use it regardless, whether it's legal or not, and whether it's in smoking or edibles. Like, it's the same thing with alcohol, like... Regard like students can be under eighteen and still have ready access to alcohol. It's not. I was gonna say, having gone to high school, yes. <laughs> so I think it's one of those things where, yeah, you may as well release the uh, stigma, I guess, around marijuana use as far as it being illegal, and try to make it a regulated and capable of being responsible use in a legal sense. Because, like, even adults, like, parents use marijuana in a responsible, ideally a responsible way. So, you know, it should be no different than alcohol use. Yep. I mean, also, uh, also, like, I think the government is ultimately going to do a better job of regulating the sale. Because, honestly, like, when you were in high school or whenever, like, you probably knew someone who knew someone who knew a dealer. And you could just get your hands on marijuana if you really wanted it. Whereas, I mean, you could use the same system to get alcohol, ideally, if you knew someone old enough. But I think, yeah, I I don't know. I just think that the government is going to do a better job than drug dealers at making at least some effort to keep it out of the hands of those 
who it will impact most. Yeah. And it'll be a lot safer for if, if the way you have to access is just getting someone older to buy it for you versus having to go through this network of dealers and, <laughs> yeah. you know, growers and whatever, right? Like you have to. And it's probably also not going to be laced with any, yeah. any other illicit substances yeah. that try and hook you yeah. because the government has no incentive to do that. They do that through chemtrails. <laughs> <laughs> and don't don't forget the fluoride in the water too. Oh yeah. I mean, I just think we should have that mind control available to uh, you know, to use at our disposal. Why not use fluoride in the water? Yeah. Damn the teeth of the young ones. <laughs> yeah, the the one thing I'm really interested in is uh cuz a lot of a lot of companies still do drug testing and I'm wondering how that's going to play out. Right. Yeah. You'd have, because they, I don't know how that would work. Cause you'd have like alcohol use isn't currently, I mean like it's often. Like if you show up to work right. drunk, they will fire right. you. That's I mean, depending on the line of work, although the details, um, but there are a lot of, like trades where they say, you know, you have to be clean for, and it takes, I don't actually know how long it takes to exit the system, but it's on the time scale of weeks or months, I think. Well, it depends on the test. Like I think urine test is a couple okay. days and then you have like hair follicle tests, which can test. Yeah. Like on the scale of weeks. Mm. But yeah. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how industry handles that. One, if they just like stop, if they stop caring about that one, unless you're obviously intoxicated when you show up to the work site. Right. But yeah, because there's no breathalyzer for drug influence, right? Yeah. So, not yet, anyway. Right. So, like, yeah, if you have a weed candy and then get high while you're at work, like, they could do a urine test, which would show it up, but that, like you said, it traces back a couple days. So, I don't know. Yeah, You could say like, I mean, and that said, I have heard stories about like, I've heard stories about workplaces where you just showed up to work and there were a few lines of Coke on the table and the boss's attitude was, listen, so long as you're getting the work done and we're not having accidents, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> this was not a high skill job, mm -hmm. but or heavy machinery uh, job. I can imagine. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Is this like a, a real place that you're just... I legitimately heard that this happened. Wow. Yeah, but I don't know. I wouldn't do it, but I guess it worked for at least a little while. <laughs> yeah, so curious to hear how that's going to work out. Because that, that and apparently Canada has signed a number of international treaties where they agree to suppress x amount of drugs and marijuana is on that list hmm. so i don't know how they're gonna figure that one out well it kind of comes back to is it really bad enough or high priority enough to focus on it's like i think your your laws and your yeah. focus has to be flexible depending on either new research or just kind of what society is gravitating towards a little bit hmm. maybe like if if it's if it's still in the best interest of your country. So 
like I like you're not gonna say, well, we're gonna be okay with like fentanyl if it's been shown that it's not. Yeah, just, it's legitimately yeah. destroying lives across the country. Yeah, no, exactly. And yeah, uh, yeah, that's that is a mess. Yeah. I mean, you could you could always hold like a referendum on it, or like a, or like oh god, no, or or a, or a vote, but then you have to decide how well, you're I mean, gonna how you're gonna count that vote. With respect to international treaties, too, like I don't. I'm wondering if the global population is just going to be like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> it's kind of like you, you make a big deal of it enough and ask for it enough that they just get tired of hearing about it. And it's like, do whatever you want. Yeah. I don't know. So fingers crossed. Apparently, like from what I've heard on, like, I think it was the Stuff You Should Know podcast. It's like it. And I think Magic Mushrooms, actually, they're classified as being much more dangerous than they actually are based on the available literature mm. yeah i don't expect magic mushrooms to be legalized you know anytime soon right we'll but. have to see can you just hold i just hold on a sec i have to check something upstairs i'll bring it back Alrighty. so listeners on on the rest of the docket we have kevin o'leary Jason Kenny, electoral reform, and then Jason Kenny once more. I don't know how much we're actually going to get to because we are. Oh, that's the wrong window. We're about 47 minutes into the podcast now. And I don't know how long we're going to actually want to make this, but yeah, we'll see. Mike is still not here. I do not see him coming down the stairs. In excellent news, I've set up some self-watering plant apparatus i guess basically what i've done is i have uh, a mason jar filled with water and then like strips or either a string or strips of old sock that i've cut up and so the capillary action draws the water to the base of the plant like the the little dish underneath the plant and it's enough that it feeds the water into the bottom of the plant and then you know the root system can drop the water as needed so it's nice because i've got a lot of zeolites on there because i'm having problems with fungus gnats and hi mike and so i don't want to water them directly over top because i think that just encourages the gnats and so we'll, we'll see how this works i'm pretty optimistic hi mike <laughs> was they interrupting something i was just having a chat with the listeners oh, good. <laughs> yeah i've gotten some I've had some success recently with uh, with plant watering apparatus, so you'll have to listen back and hear all about it. <laughs> all right. So, are we good on the marijuana? Yeah. No, I was. I was just kind of like, I don't know. Maybe it was my. That's quite the story. Yeah. An east meets west kind of story. Yeah. Was well, it's, it's? It has a lot of international focus, which I thought was kind of cool. Like you don't. Mm-hmm. I think since Justin Trudeau came into power, like you're seeing Canada in the news for a lot better reasons. It's nice. It's nice seeing Canada heralded as pioneers of progression versus yeah. muzzlers, muzzlers versus like being called out in yeah. science for like the like science of the journal science saying like, man, Canada is sure shitty at this right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice to have that focus. Yeah. Well, it's, it's unfortunate though because we've we've seen 
a bit of backtracking on something that got us positive attention when it uh when it comes to electoral reform because i know that oh. that was one of the platforms of the true well, i don't know if you call it a platform that was it, it was in the platform it was definitely in the platform and uh they basically come out and said well we can't agree unanimously so we're just not gonna do anything and it has just been a shit show the entire time like they begin by making a panel with a majority of liberals and then the opposition had an outcry, and potentially rightly so, because you're not representing the full country with a majority of liberals on that panel. But then once you take away the majority, they can't pass anything with a majority anymore. Like, unless these people are really diverse and very strongly minded. And so they gave up the majority. And then I, the conservatives wanted a referendum. And I didn't want a referendum because then it's just not going to, well, it's not, well, it depends because I could see voting no on certain methods because I don't necessarily agree with them. But so that happened. And then they come out and say, well, there's no unanimous decision, so we're not going to do it. And then they backtracked. And then they said, no, no, we heard how upset you were when we said we were backtracking. So we're not backtracking. We're actually going to do it. And then Donald Trump got elected. And then they were like, no, we can't possibly do this because it means that more extremist views will be will be expressed. And that's not even mentioning the, oh, what was it? The online survey, which wasn't an online survey at all. It just like, which one? did you take that one at all? Oh, I think I did. It's like, you're a blah, blah. That means that you value this yeah, yeah. and this and this. And it's like, you didn't actually ask me what I thought on the matter. Yeah. You got an art, you got like an archetype for me and that's the survey. Like, could you at least approach this problem with your whole ass instead of half assing this? <laughs> I'm still so upset. I, this could potentially segue into another topic, but what are your thoughts off the top, Mike? I was very excited for like total reform and was one of the reasons that I voted the way I did. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's very disappointing. Maybe this is like the first time that I've been disappointed by a party's platform, not being fully come to fruition in an electoral term. Uh, obviously this is just a part of politics and people be like, well, what did you expect? Politicians lie or change their mind or backtrack or whatever you want to call it. But I felt that this was something that was definitely wanted in the general populace and i don't know as much as referendums are very problematic it it seems like the kind of thing that should be more left up to the people like and let let that speak for itself whether they want change or not now i will cite oh keep talking stall so like it it really wouldn't because of the question like it's similar to brexit where it can be a yes or no question so how you count the vote shouldn't really make a difference. So you don't need three or four options where you have to start trying to, you know, do your uh, multi, you know, transferable vote type thing or single transferable vote where it's just yes or no. Do you want a new electoral system for Canada? And that can be yes or no. And then the decision can be left up to the panel to decide which one they should, was the best, but it should be different from what we're doing right now. Now, um, on that topic, 
the former podcast, The Strategists, who I discovered and loved, and then they stopped. They're trying to start it up again. I hope they do. But if you go to prvote.com, <clears throat> pardon me, they actually had an episode where I actually thought a referendum would be a good idea. And then they did this and they, they completely changed my mind on the matter. Um, so they ran three polls on electoral reform and they changed the wording right. each time and they got surprisingly different results. And it was all based on, they said, like, I think their actual methodology for choosing which method was just, I don't care. Let's just do PR and have three referendum questions on PR specifically. And I was surprised at how much, like how gameable the question was. So like legitimately, I went from thinking, you know, yeah, like maybe a referendum isn't a bad idea to hearing that, to hearing them say, listen, these are our, our elected representatives. Their job is to do the thinking on this stuff so that you don't have to. And they should be a better expert in the field than you are because, you know, that's why we defer to them in the House of Commons. Mm -hmm. So they say that Canada deserves better than a referendum. They deserve to have the full attention of our elected representatives. And like three questions are crazy. Like they're not that. So well, it's, it's, I can it's, read you the three questions. The idea is like, like playing to people's biases, kind of like just yeah. the way that our stupid human minds interpret things and process things. It, it can be very easily affected by how something is worded. And this is obviously like something that's taken consideration with marketing, with advertising and with politics, obviously. And I remember, I think you showed this to us before. And I think I did. I seem to recall that all of them, except for maybe one of the results was still kind of like within error of each other, as far as the differences shown in the uh, outcomes based on the wording of the question. Like it was within two to five, maybe 10 percentage points but still within kind of like the stated error. Yeah. Two of them were within error of each other. One made a decisive yeah. victory for yes. Although the other two that were within error, they both leaned for no. Right. So you could almost say that that one was kind of a wash. Like it didn't have an effect if the outcome was the same and the differences were within error of each other. But if there's the one that swung it the other way, then I think that at least suggests, which again, people kind of already knew and used to their advantage was that wording plays a big part in, in, uh, how people respond and interpret questions. Uh, like yeah. I've, I've seen that in, in political advertisements come election season all the time, right? Like just using a lot of negative words and saying, yeah, I, I don't, I can't even come up with examples, but I think it's pretty self-explanatory what type of, uh, methods are being used when, when that kind of thing is done. I, I do remember talking about this with you guys. And I remember they also talked about, oh man, they, they talked about the Quebec referendum and the, the question on the Quebec referendum, which I want to read again, because, oh my goodness, do you agree that Quebec should become sovereign after having made a formal offer to Canada for a new economic and political partnership within the scope of the bill respecting the future of Quebec and of the agreement signed on June 12th, 1995? <laughs> they literally, like, there was 
There was a lot of people that literally thought that they would still elect people to the Canadian House of Commons after voting yes. Shocking. Just shocking. Yeah. I think the Brexit one was probably the most neutral way to present the question. Brexit? Brexit, I thought, was super fair. Yeah, yeah people like, still didn't realize what they were voting for. Wor- no, well, people were stupid. Like, so many people woke up the next day and were like, wow, I thought that I was doing a protest vote. I was so yeah. foolish. Well, that's different. It's like, but- yeah, that's how referenda yeah. work. Why would you <laughs> vote for something that you don't necessarily believe in? <clears throat> but getting closer to the mic and a little quieter. Yeah, uh, I So I was really upset they walked away from electoral reform. And it sounds as though, from from what I've heard slash read, it sounds as though the election of Trump was the deciding factor in walking away Mm. from it. Because they said, you know, extremist views will come out. And honestly, like I... So is is that the idea that allowing better representation of outside parties would present more extremist views within general discourse within the house of commons and just general. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because like PR, when you implement PR, you do see a rise in more fringe parties, which can be more extremist, particularly in times like these. I mean, in Alberta anyway, where the economy is not as great as it could be. And that's like, that's something you talk about in history class during the great depression where I mean, you saw a communist party right. in Canada and a fascist party right. in Canada, but they they became much more prominent than like I don't think we have a fascist party now, but we do have we have both a communist and Marxist Leninist right. party in Canada. I think you can still tailor your electoral system to handle that type of potential. Like if you say that the proportion needs to be over X percent in order for their representation to be honored within the house so that you can't have just barely enough for like one seat kind of thing. Right. Because like, like when you have between the NDP, the conservatives and liberals and what did I miss any? The block, I guess. Um, And even the greens, like between the five of them, like, they'd all make up probably over, you know, three to five seats if proportional representation was used. It's not, it's not like they'd only get one seat each type thing, like the more outside parties, but you're not trying to include the Marxist Leninist party, trying to include ones that are already getting seats, but that they'll be better represented within the house instead of like the one seat, they'd have five or whatever it works out to being right. Or that you'd have a, closer majority or even a minority government instead of an overwhelming majority based on the systems that we use but that's that's the main benefit for me i think where like in a in a province like alberta and again like this is alberta electoral system we're talking about now but like the liberals and ndp well prior to this past election were largely underrepresented in the legislature and even the ndp for that matter in this last election greatly benefited from the electoral system because of the split conservative vote, right? So it's like in those types of cases, it's not like, well, I want my fringe party to be represented. It's like, well, of the people who voted Waldros and conservative, they just weren't represented at all because they were split. And then the NDPs kind of came 
from the outside and took that vote, whereas no one else gets that voice. So that's that's the benefit I see from a different electoral system. But I, I can see what the concern of having these fringe parties represented could have, but I don't think that's a reason to not move forward with electoral reform. Yeah. And I mean, I, I honestly think instant runoff would be a solution to this. Like instant runoff will still favor the major parties. And despite the concerns of the opposition, I don't think that it guarantees the liberals a win every time. Instant runoff being if your party doesn't. Sorry. Instant runoff is a ranked ballot. Okay. That's right. Yeah. That's what I'm more familiar with. So. Like, because I'm sure there will be a lot of people that say, you know, I really want the Communist Party to win. And then they'll say, well, if they don't win, I want the Green Party to win. And and on and on and down and down. And I think that that would be an easy solution. Yep. It would be simple enough to implement. And it sounds like that's what they really wanted to do anyway. When most people but, think that way when they're voting anyway. Right. It's like. Yeah, it's like, they do. But then you have this odd strategic voting and like strategic voting is i don't think you should have to vote strategically when you're deciding who's going to lead you like as you're doing that instant runoff calculus in your head or most a lot of people are anyway i think there's a people that are going to vote conservative till they die and that's fine but a lot of people i think especially people like younger people who are newer to voting and might try to align their ideals or align the party that they're voting for more with their ideals. They're trying to say, okay, well, this one is most representative of what I want. If I had to pick someone else, it'd be this one, which one has the better chance of being a useful vote type thing. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know there. And I think we, we assume collectively that the future is going to represent the present much more than it actually will. Like as in recent memory, there was a time when, if you had ranked balloting, the NDP might have won. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, just, just looking at percentage of popular vote, like there's obviously a non-insignificant amount of people that voted for the NDP, but yeah. they only ever got less than however many seats, right? Like, Yeah. And I mean, in the last election anyway, you could, if you watched the polls closely, you saw that there was a tremendous bandwagon effect and a lot of the then opposition support, it was just being thrown behind whichever party was going to oust the conservatives because it's like it sounds like people were tired of Harper. And so I wonder how different it might have been in the past decade had you had that option available to you. And I mean, it it's not PR, it's not mixed member proportional, it doesn't take that much of a difference, but it ensures that a majority of support is behind the elected leader, which is probably how it should be. Yeah. In, you know, a system where we have more than two parties. I think as a side note, we should link the uh, CGP gray videos on electoral systems. Oh God. So that, yes. So PR is proportional representation, I'm assuming. And then the others, you yes. can look at the differences because it is actually very interesting. If, if you're listening to this podcast, you'd probably be interested in it too. So quite probably. Or you're just a friend of one or both of us. In any case, you should still watch those videos. Yeah. And in that case, as a friend, I recommend you watch those. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, if we're talking about like extremist views and whatnot, 
and how they're expressed more in downtimes. I think I think Jason Kenny, which is on our to- our list of talking points, I think that's a good example of a manifestation of a more extremist view. Trump being Trump being the primary, but Jason Kenny being Canadian relevant. Yeah, yeah. Trump was definitely definitely the voice of what do I want to say? I want to say the rural poor, I think. I'd say the everyman. Like at least that's what he tried to be. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, saw someone who didn't have a political background, who wasn't quote unquote in the pockets of whoever, as untruthful that maybe, but um, but yeah, Jason Kenney is kind of more leaning on his political experience as his driving force behind saying, well, this party being the conservative party of Alberta uh, needs a leader who is a true quote unquote, true conservative, whatever that means. And <laughs> someone who, uh, yeah, wants to unite the right and make Alberta what it was always meant to be, whatever, like, kind of riding on that that aspect versus yeah. oh you know like ed stelmack was kind of the trump without the bigotry like <laughs> as as far as as far as being someone who you know was kind of like down to earth like someone that anyone could relate to that kind of thing like that was his thing and he got the rule vote as well um and then you have what's his name with wild rose uh Jean hmm? or Jean Brian yeah Jean. that guy um he's kind of playing the rule card a little bit too or at least the blue the blue collar card with his thing yeah you know what if we had instant runoff in the last election just saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I bet there were a lot of people who said well I I don't know I don't know what they said you'd, you'd have you'd have those who voted for wild rose but didn't get it have conservative as their second vote probably and you'd have yeah. conservative votes that may or may not have been wild roads a second choice depending on how if they're right or left of the conservative point on the spectrum but so we have we have kevin or not kevin o'leary we have jason kenny who's dropped his ottawa riding he strode into alberta and said we need to get rid of the ndp so we have to unite the right parties which wouldn't be necessary if we had an instant runoff vote because you could just rank who you wanted in. Yep. Ugh, but I digress. Um, no, I'm actually, I'm, if I may, I'm legitimately concerned about not necessarily Jason Kenney. He's, he's a conservative and that's fine. I don't like the elements of social conservative, ah, social conservatism, which has been a part of his, you know, mantra for, his political career. But what concerns me most is the stories I heard about the supporters. Like they had some, they had some conventions and stuff like that. And when Sandra Jansen was still in the running, she got a lot of just pure and abject hatred on the convention floor. Like a lot of very angry and violent sounding people confronting her. And Honestly, it's a bad economic time and you've got a bunch of out of work, very angry people that are starting to have more and more extreme views of things. And history has examples of when that can go very poorly. And that's why I'm concerned. 
history as in... Of the world? I, I don't know what you're referring to or alluding to. Oh, like in Europe, the rise of Nazism no, and fascism. I didn't know the background on that. Oh, like, I mean, there were, in Germany anyway, um, the the Nazis were commonly known as the brown shirts because they would wear brown shirts. And did you ever watch Downton Abbey? No. Nope. Because they reference this phenomenon. Okay. okay. Um, they had a saying at the time because it was in the 30s and a lot of people were out of work. And the saying was something to the effect of, if you if you can't afford to put clothes on your back, don't worry. You can always put on a brown shirt. And so you had a large number of unemployed people who were given someone to blame for their problems, the Jews, and they got together and did some truly awful things. Like, I don't, I don't mean what happened during the war. I mean, like the, I think it was called Kristallnacht where a lot of Jewish establishments were broken into, um, like just windows smashed things, stolen rioting, looting, that kind of thing. And in Italy, you had the black shirts of the fascists and it was the same story. Like there were a lot of unemployed people that had someone to blame and they all got behind Mussolini and bad things happened. Mm. And so I I think Canada will weather the storm better because we just, I mean, the economic problems will hopefully not last as long and go as deep as the thirties, but I'm concerned because you're starting to hear stories where you have hate filled people, uh, wandering around and like victimizing specific people. Right. That's what I think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've at least learned from history to a point, but like you're already seeing with, with our neighbors to the South of a lot of the executive orders that are trying to be pushed through that, you know, you elect someone into power and they, they have this mandate either from their voters or from their administration to enact certain things and, and that kind of thing. And like, I'm just, I've already seen stuff from, from Jason Kenny on a lot of that same sort of stuff. Like you said, the social conservatism and it's like trying to be fiscally responsible and prudent as one thing. And I know it's kind of cliche to talk about fiscal versus social conservatism, but, um, well, I mean, social conservative, social conservatism as it is today, it should be the opposite if you consider the central ethos of the party. How do you mean? I mean, if you're talking about fiscal conservatism, it, the mantra is we need to shrink government and lessen its influence on the day-to-day lives of people, except in the parts that we think are right and wrong morally. Right. Which, like, that shouldn't even be in the realm of government to begin with. Like, like, well, listen to you, you liberal, like the, the way you libtard, <laughs> like the w- lamestream media <laughs> is East meets West fake news. Like the way, like <laughs> nowadays, social conservatism basically just means like religious and cultural ideals. I think before it was more related to like welfare and social services and that kind of thing. But that's kind of more filed under fiscal conservatism, yeah. right? So now all that's left in the social side is religion and culture and related, tangentially related stuff therein. So, and it's like, well, that shouldn't even be a thing. Like why? I don't know. I guess, I guess people want 
those around them to align with their points of view and governments or or yeah. parties capitalize on that to to get votes i guess yeah and i mean like south of the border we've got clear clear anger directed towards a the mexicans and b the muslim countries with with the travel ban and whatnot yeah. and I mean, it's just a lot of anger and saying hey your problems all due to these visible minorities you'll notice that like there's all this concern about mexico with nafta but like none of it is directed towards canada none of the concern none of the there's no wall going up and they're not making us pay for that wall yet (laughs) they're not making us pay for that wall by taxing their own citizens on imports well the the inevitable tax like yeah i think it's more they've all but said it's going to be a tax on their own citizens but it's going to it's going to yeah, ultimately well, they, result they said in a it tax. was going to be import yeah. tariffs which is going to result in higher prices which is coming back to the consumer yep. so yep yep take that mexico but yeah yeah so interesting state of affairs for sure it's not Jason Kenny that I necessarily take issue with. It's the groundswell of anger and hatred that I am concerned right. about. Yeah, it would be one thing if it's just one person saying and believing these things, but it's another thing when people are lining up behind them with those same points of view and acting out on them, like you said. Yeah. So. We we need a Justin Trudeau for Alberta. I think that's what we need. <laughs> Thought that was Notley. <laughs> well, it was in 2019 anyway. Was in 2019? What do you mean? Wait, 2015. <laughs> like, what year are we in? <laughs> Nick, what are you? What are we? Yeah, yeah, no, Cut yeah. The, whoops. But see, she she didn't play as much on. That was more the fiscal side that she was kind of. Yeah pushing yeah. with and her hair isn't as nice nope. so she's not riding the coattails of a uh, prior country leader so <laughs> no just a prior provincial leader oh yeah that's right was that Lougheed no her oh or was that was Notley as well his last oh, name was okay. Notley I, just can't, I can't there's actually a park right. not too far from here named after him right I do remember that now I thought you were going for the no. joke <laughs> you were going for the joke I think for those listeners that don't know, um, Rachel Notley's father, I think, was a progressive conservative who was very progressive and not so much conservative. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that could bring us nicely to Kevin O'Leary, <laughs> our last talking point. <laughs> Who's definitely not what? as progressive. Uh, what do you think? What are your thoughts? I want to hear your thoughts just. <laughs> unencumbered by my priming someone i can't remember who i was talking to but they said that he'd make a great like ceo like he's a good businessman and knows his stuff on that end but from like a political standpoint and leading a country like i don't think he's like he's like a better donald trump and again without all the extra crazy but (laughs) Like he's coming at he's Without he's coming at it from the same background, and I think he's he obviously knows his stuff from a business side, at least on the outside looking in. 
from where he is on the TV. It seems like he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And like, and he, he'd even maybe make a good like finance minister. Maybe. Yeah. Like I could see that. My problem with people who are like, yeah, well we need the government to run more like a business. It's like, but they're completely different things. Like, I mean, governments currently, I don't know of a single government that doesn't run some sort of deficit or have like the, oh, what's it called? Like all the outstanding loans to other countries and stuff like that. I can't remember what it's actually called. Not like bonds, but but is that bonds? Well, yeah, like they offer bonds and then other countries buy them. But like so many governments owe so many other governments so much money. And apparently like the U.S. actually had a couple stints where they tried to pay off their national debt and like nothing happened. They were just like, oh, we paid it off. I don't know what to do with this now. Right. But like, I don't know. Um, yeah, a bunch of... Like, you don't see the same kind of ecosystem with corporations where Suncor and Synovus are kind of doing the same business but in different places with different marching orders. And oh, by the way, they'll just owe each other a couple trillion. Right. Just, you know, because... I think the difference, too, is that corporations, assuming they're publicly held, they're accountable to the investors and they're supposed to act in the best interest of the investors. So if you yeah. extend the analogy to a country, the citizens should be the investors in the form of taxes and injecting money into the economy through purchasing goods and services. But like, so that's fine if it actually worked that way, but it usually doesn't it's like run the country as a business but you're not really held accountable to anyone but yourselves like that's that's like when people say run it like a business that's what they're talking about it's like despite what the public wants do it in the best interest you know run a profit no yeah exactly but it's like well that's not how a business is supposed to run you run in the best you know like the government the government is set up to offer services to everyone that needs them or everyone that you've deemed or you've decided needs them yeah it's not meant to stop when you run out of money you're supposed to do the thing that you're supposed to do tautologies well you you increase taxes if need be to finance those services and that's where the investor part comes in right it's like okay well you go to investors and say hey we need more money to do this and this is like an investment without any gain like financial gain like it's a really poor investment if you look at it from a financial standpoint (laughs) but it's yeah pretty much it's one of those things where like and that's why taxes work is because well you're living in that country you're benefiting from those same services so you should be okay paying into those services like it's the collective payment that allows the services to exist you can't go walk to the hospital with a broken arm get your free health care and walk out and say oh i hate taxes it's like well you just use those taxes right so it's like you can't it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. And like the whole fact that we have the single payer insurance model, like when I broke my hip, like, I mean, I had health insurance at the time, but just with being a student, but if I didn't have any health insurance, that could have easily bankrupted me. Like yeah. I wouldn't be haha on my two feet today. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't but coming coming back to Kevin O'Leary, like I don't think that's going to go anywhere. Yeah, I think I apparently he's been posturing as the front runner because like he was told that oh man just run because what do you have to lose? He'll do yeah. great. 
Well, I I think he was told that he would do pretty well, especially considering how Trump had just done. Right. And he's kind of Trump light ish. Yeah. And that he's not necessarily the most successful businessman, but he plays one on television. Right. Um he's also like I've heard him I've heard some quotes from him on a couple things, and like he's I think I've heard that he's really pro union. Okay. And that's not gonna play well with like a far right wing base. Right. And uh, I don't know. So, and he's also like he he recently held. Apparently, it's a really front runner move to make. But at one of the conventions or rallies or whatever, he held a separate one for his supporters, like right across the street. And it was not nearly as well populated as it should be if you're actually trying to win. Yeah. Well, you saw also Justin just skipping out on a couple debates. Oh, really? Yeah, he he basically like you watched him declare his candidacy immediately after the French language debates because mm. he doesn't know French right. and doesn't want to. Right. I guess I could see him getting the votes that are more conservative than the liberals, but more liberal than the conservatives. It's like that narrow mm. sliver in between the right of center and left of center that. That's there. that that area that the PCs used to occupy, right? right. Well, the, yeah, and I think the conservative party's gone more right than that. So this is kind of like replacing where the PC, like you said, the PCs where they used to be. Maybe, yeah. I'm actually kind of interested to see where that party will go because they're now a big tent party. Like whereas with the more left side of the spectrum, like they're just parties that people can go in between, mm-hmm. depending on what they're looking for but what about this what if this whole thing is a play to get a cabinet position once he loses the conservative leader race no do we know who the front runner is right now i want to say it might be bernier i don't know any of the candidates okay um i mean apparently that's a play that you can make you Except you take your supporters and throw them behind so-and-so, the front runner, and then if front runner wins, you get a cabinet position out of it. That'd be pretty great, but I don't think a cabinet position pays as well as, I mean... Whatever he's doing, yeah. As successful a businessman as he's presented to be, I think he would make more than a cabinet minister right now. Well, he runs, like, investments, and it doesn't require a ton of, like, storefront management. He's just kind of throwing his money at things and... Or getting other people to throw his money at things. <laughs> yeah, touche. Um, no, it, I'm I'm watching the race with fascination. I'm really curious to see where it's going to yeah. go. So is Trudeau going to go for a second term, do you think? I mean, there's no reason to think he wouldn't. I think he's going to yeah. try. Like, do I think he'll get it? Um I think he probably could, like depending on how things go. His his approval ratings are still really good. Um, he's starting to break promises and upset people, which is what all governments do. Yep. <laughs> Unless you're the NDP party of Alberta, in which case you keep your promises and that makes people upset. It's hard to say which is better. Yeah. Yeah. I voted you out of protest. I didn't think you were actually going to do the things you said that you were going to do. Well, I think it's that she, they've, because hasn't Nolly become more 
right leaning on a lot of stuff, like backtracked a little. Like she hasn't been as uh, aggressively NDP as she had promised, at least when it comes to energy policy. Uh no, like I mean, I remember when she spoke at the the last big NDP convention, the leadership convention. Like they had just they I think they just adopted the leap manifesto and they were all gung ho about getting off of carbon the carbon economy. Mm-hmm. And Notley got up there and said, Hey, so I got to be responsible because a lot of money from carbon. So I think we can be NDP and like carbon, which left a bit of a rift. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. Because the other thing is, every step forward on the minimum wage of $15 an hour by 2019 that she basically promised everyone that people are sure upset about that. It was a pretty central part of the platform, but people are right. pretty upset about it. <sighs> As opposed to liberals, where electoral reform was a pretty big part of the platform, and medical or er, legalization of marijuana was like off on the back burner somewhere, and that's the one they're fully moving ahead on. But electoral reform, whoa, you gotta step back on that. Yep. <sighs> but yes, I am curious to see where Kevin O'Leary goes. When is the next election? Is it 2019? Yeah, Yeah. late 2019. So you'll start seeing campaigning this time next year, maybe? Actually, Canadian campaigning doesn't start that early. Uh, It's, I think one day it will, and that upsets me. When they first brought in fixed election dates, I was upset because I was like, but it's going to be just like the states where it's a constant campaign. Because gradually they're going to want to get get out in front of their opponents and that's going to edge it further and further back to where they're in constant campaign mode. God, I hope not. (laughs) I also like that they have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of spending restrictions in place, especially once you're in the writ period. Hmm. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Not so in the States, but I like it a lot here. How do you guys normally end this show? I forget. Uh, and Rob, I think you should cut right there. Because <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, like I said, it's been so long that I don't, I don't remember. Like, if you have like I exit, exit either. music, or like, oh, thanks for joining us. You can find more at, you know. Yeah, that's good. I think I think we're good. We'll we'll cut it okay. where we cut it. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm doing the post show stretch. Yeah. Oh, nice shirt. I had noticed it was a oh. TML shirt. Oh, sure is. Are you guys in yet? Basically, every one of my blue shirts. Um, Almost? Well, Mike, um, the East is a little more competitive than the West right now, so it, it's hard for them. <laughs> is that what we're calling it? Competitive? It's a bit more competitive, so so that's why we're not in yet. Meanwhile, you have the West, which is like four points separating the top four or five teams. Well, didn't didn't the Oilers just clinch? Uh, I don't know. Flames just clinched. Oilers may have as well. I think the Oilers did okay. too. Meanwhile, meanwhile, yeah, the, the Avalanche Atlantic, got eliminated like two weeks ago. In the Atlantic, um, one team has clinched. That is Montreal. Woo, with 99 points. And the second and third in the Atlantic are tied Toronto and Ottawa at 91 points, which have a game in hand over the second in the wild card race, Boston at 90 points. I saw a thing that 
the flames clinching was the second time in I want to say six years they made the playoffs, which I thought they had made it more frequently than that, but that does kind of sound right. Because last year was last year was the big run that they almost made it to the finals, like they made it to the east, the Western Finals, and lost. Oh, that was Anaheim. Was that two Uh, years ago or one year ago? It was the year of the NDP winning, so maybe that was two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, maybe yeah, that does sound right then. Then maybe it was like second time in six or eight years. Look at how many people have clinched. I know. In the West, my God. Oh, so the divisions are clinched. Then it's just now. There's one wild card spot up for grabs. Huh. I think you've got some terrible teams in your division. Yeah. You've got Vancouver in your division. (laughs) You have uh, Tampa's not eliminated, but not doing particularly well. Wasn't Colorado in a division with like Columbus and Phoenix? And they still crap the bed? I didn't hear that. You just broke up. Isn't Colorado in a division with like Columbus and Phoenix and they still crap the bed? Columbus has been good this year. Yeah, I think their goalie's been been decent. Where are they? Pacific? No, I'm thinking Metro. Or I'm thinking uh, St. Louis. Mm. They're close to each other. Columbus and St. Louis. Ah, Details. Is it sad that I didn't realize there was a Metropolitan division? The Metro is nuts this year. Like, oh, like, okay. The top three in the Metro are Washington with 110 points, Columbus with 106 points, Pittsburgh with 105 points. The first in the wild card is the Rangers with 98 points, which would be, you know, competitive with Montreal for the lead in the Atlantic in a different division. But yeah, mm. the, the Metro is crazy. My God, just look at the standings. It's incredible. <clears throat> Connor McDavid's leading the league in points. Connor McDavid's leading the league in points. It wouldn't surprise. That's me. amazing. He's the second coming, the second coming of the great one. Oh, and they have ninety-seven points. McDavid points. Crosby leading in goals. Not surprised there. I haven't been paying attention to hockey all season. Probably for like the past five years, I haven't been. I've been the worst fan this year. We keep going out to do things and i'm like but there's a game on (laughs) there's a game on again yeah like every few days (laughs) see that's where nfl football helps because it's only like what six 16 games maybe that's cfl anyway only a handful of games once a week well there's uh the aussie rules league is the same way Mm. it's only like each i think a team plays like one game a week or so yeah oh austin matthews 38 goals on the season He's only five behind Crosby for the lead. He's been pretty good. Mm. Where's line A now, Winnipeg? Isn't it lane? No. Right? It's line A. Are you sure? Pretty sure. It's actually a bunch of people were, like some people at work were giving me shit about it earlier this year. Because you were saying lane? No, they are saying, man, Toronto, can't believe they picked Matthews over line A. And I was like, okay, bud, just... <laughs> I bet you make a decision in a couple of years. I was also, I listened to podcasts on the matter and like, it sounded like, especially early in the year, line A was getting pretty sheltered minutes. Whereas Matthews, they were just like, well, the best we have. Out you go. Other teams, top line, go see what you can do. That's what happened with McDavid too, wasn't it? 
<clears throat> that's kind of like Edmonton's MO. No, he got... It's like, just throw your new guys on the top line. <laughs> well, he got wrecked, though. Yeah. In his first year. That's true. Did he win Rookie of the Year? I uh, feel like he did. 